to, to recalibrate. The same is true when we're in great rehearsals. With the living in the language of music becoming, as I mentioned this morning in that session, our, even our pulses begin to become aligned with those around us. And the interruptions of speaking can be helpful, can be focus-inducing, uh, or can be interrupted. So, uh, how do we engender this language of living in the language, this, this uh, ability to live in the language of music and still say what needs to be said? <clears throat> this is not uh, the language of music. The language of rehearsal is not the real world. We create in that very special environment a situation that is not normal. There is nothing about what we do in rehearsal that's normal. We don't sit that way in the real world. We don't breathe that way in the real world. We don't live with those words in the real world. We don't breathe that way. We don't engage with other people in the real world that way. Um, there are very few times, but perhaps the, uh, somebody was talking to me not too long ago, that there are almost no times where we sit for two hours and don't say anything. And, and that might be, might be the only time in our lives where we sit for two hours and don't say anything. Rehearsals, we could live, we could be in that rehearsal for an hour and a half or two hours and we'll be completely engaged in that very special moment, which is quite remarkable. It is not the real world. We have created, we have taken people to a world of beauty, to a world of thought, to a world of expression that opens up the possibility of saying what's on our hearts in a non-threatening way. That we say together what's on our hearts. This is not the real world. We don't live in the, we don't live on a day-to-day -day basis in the language of music. We live in the language of speech. And so living for 90 minutes in the language of music is a blessing and one of the reasons people come to sing in the choirs. So, first um, one, what would you say are the characteristics of a great rehearsal? Anybody? Say that again? Talk to me a little more. What do you mean by pacing? Okay. He said pacing and flows. You feel that one thing leads to the next, then leads to the next. Good.
I was Washington and lead an all-state person in Oklahoma actually for years ago. And, and it was, if you know Rod, his rehearsals are very focused and, and quick moving and, and the kids were on board 100%. And I said, Rod, how do you engender that focus? And there was no talking, goofing off, how do you engender it? He said, well, there's no time for that. I just don't give them any time for that. We're involved in music every second. Well, it's, it's pretty, I mean, that's a wonderful goal because when that happens and people are all on the same day, that's fantastic. You go to a different place. You go to a different level. What else? A great rehearsal. I wish the whole rehearsal would be this way, but I feel like at least once during the rehearsal we have made music is loose notes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A great rehearsal has time for beauty. There are opportunities to be taken to a place that we've never been to before. Uh, I used to spend, and I spend, uh, I, uh, in Northern Michigan, this interlocking arts camp, a, a music camp for uh, mostly high school students, but we just started a program, and I spent 17 summers there leading a, a choir. And uh, we just started a program for adults called the Adult Choral Camp, and, and adults come from all over the country, actually. We spent a week together and sing, and we have a good time, and then everybody goes back home. But a young woman, uh, came to me not too long ago, and, and, and she had been in, in our camp. She said, I will never forget the first time we were in Valley, and I never heard those sounds before. And she said, I just got it because I never heard that beauty before. Well, that's a situation we all have those experiences. We've had those experiences ourselves, or we wouldn't have stuck it out this long. But those are the sort of experiences that, that, that bring people back to us to that environment that we create together. What else? Balance. In what way? Back uh, slow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tenors and bases. <laughs> my dream world. <laughs> my dream world would be that God would make more tenors. And, and I don't want to make fewer sopranos. I don't want to make fewer sopranos. I'd like the sopranos. I'd like the, the tenors to grow into numbers. Do we produce more frequently? I guess is what I'm asking. The tenors would just clone themselves. That would be we can clone that mastodon that they, that airy mastodon that they found. But we should be able to clone a few tenors. Don't you? Be fantastic. <clears throat> Absolutely. A great rehearsal has an incredible balance between slow, fast, stand, sit, move around, um, dramatic, gentle, uh, emotional changes as well. And, and the, the better we are at playing rehearsals, the more not, the more no one is aware of that. Great rehearsals, no one is aware of the artifice that's put it all, the craft that's put it all together. It's like a great concert. Uh, and, and every rehearsal is a performance. There are no rehearsals, there are only performances. How many times have I said that to students? There are no rehearsals, it's always a performance. We bring our game no matter where we go. And so, it, when we build a concert that is fast and slow and, and varied and, and interesting and creative, that's what we bring to the rehearsal as well. Okay, um, these are all wonderful things, and I have a few more that we might talk about and then we'll live in a few. I, I observed a, a wonderful musician's rehearsal a few years ago, and I made some notes. He didn't know I was doing this. And uh, so I made some, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, and, but I made some notes because I just watched him relate to a choir that we'd never seen before. And it was a high school group, and it was in a summer public um, school in Michigan. The um, MSVMA, Michigan School of Vocal Music Association, has uh, you know, workshops in the summer, and this was a high school group, sort of a little bit of an honor choir. 
and he was working with them. And I kept a note, and, and in no particular order, some of the characteristics that I noted in his rehearsal was that he was fully engaged every second. There was never a time in his rehearsal where I sensed that he checked out. Hence, there was never a time that I sensed that those singers had checked out. There was a real engagement all the time. There was no waste of time, which meant that there was no time for anybody to wander. And yet, somehow it didn't feel hectic. It didn't feel frantic. It felt focused and engaged and interesting. He came to that rehearsal with a strong and commanding dream. I just sensed that there was no other way that it was going to be. That he couldn't even conceive of another way to make this music happen. It was his dream. Here was his imagination for this piece. And we're going there. Without him saying, now come on, we're going to make sure there was just a sense of, well, diction was improving, the intonation was improving, the sense of musical line was improving. He had a goal. And he went for it, and he was energized and vibrant and rhythmically engaged. I think most great rehearsals have rhythm as the core of that rehearsal. I'll say that again. I think most great rehearsals have, have rhythm at the core of the rehearsal. We are, as conductors, percussionists. We are not singers. Because as a singer, my experience has been that singers tend to be a little more fluid with rhythmic precision. There tends to be a little more robotical, possibly, but percussionists are absolutely fastidious. And then on top of that percussion comes the robotical and the flexibility and the beautiful sound. But underneath is a sense of rhythmic direction. And we would call that an impulse, right? And, and if you remember Robert Shaw's using of, use of count singing all that time, well, there was a reason for that, because things needed to line up and things needed to have direction. Most of us have a pulse, and, um, <laughs> and if we don't, I don't want to hear about it, because well, I don't want to actually hear about it, <laughs> but most of us have a pulse, and, and, and that sense of where it's going is crucial. He didn't explain to us what he was after, he just did it, and let us discover it for ourselves. It always drives me crazy when somebody says, now we're going to work on this piece, and in this piece we're going to work on intonation, and we're going to work on more articulation at the top of page 5, and at the bottom of page 7, that F sharp altos, you might miss that up, that might be, that F natural will be more comfortable, but, but, but F, too much talking. All I want to do is hear it. All I want to do is say, do I like it? Do I not like it? Go directly to the piece of music, live in it. Let us make our own decisions about it. He said nothing about his plan. He said nothing about his methods. He just did it, and they were on board. And afterwards, then he say, oh, well, the reason that happened was because of this, and the reason that we went there was because of this, and the reason that that piece followed that, and maybe we don't even evaluate because it just felt so natural. If you drive a really great car, if you don't have... It can be an, an amazing machine, but you don't have to know how it works to enjoy it. Uh, uh, you don't have to know how to make creme brulee to enjoy creme brulee. But you just have to, to um, allow yourself the possibility of trying. He, there was very little talking in his rehearsal, maybe 85% doing and 15% talking. It was quite remarkable. They sang a lot. He engaged the whole body, his and theirs. He was moving, he was showing gestures a little like we were doing last night in that um, uh, 
rehearsal. He was doing that sort of thing, they were doing so, that sort of thing, and there was a very large smile quotient, both on his part and their part, which was fantastic. He, and they smiled, he smiled, he smiled, they smiled. He was completely unapologetic. No other way but his wonderful day. Sometimes I hear from people, well, my choir wouldn't ever do that. How do you know? Did you try it? <laughs> and maybe they wouldn't, but maybe they, maybe they haven't tasted the crème brûlée yet. <laughs> you know, maybe they don't realize how fantastic they would sound if they did it. You know what I mean? Gentlemen, maybe we don't realize that this could make the sound incredibly beautiful when we've only been doing it this way. We'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow for the male voice session. Maybe we've been putting the bowling ball on the top shelf too much, but we actually could put the ping pong ball on and accomplish those upper notes with so much more ease. Same pitch all We'll talk about that tomorrow. He had high expectations from himself and them. I sensed that he absolutely knew the piece of music very well, and that he, he had expected himself to learn it, and they, he did very well, and they jumped right in. He knew the score well, he seldom looked at the score. He improvised the rehearsal, and it was based on the knowledge and imagination, based on the piece in front of him. Great rehearsals feel improvised. Great rehearsals feel improvised. I had a dear friend who, who in her young days of student teaching, she um, planned a really great rehearsal. She went in and the supervising teachers there, she did the rehearsal, and, and it wasn't long before she realized that the plan that she had wasn't the one that was going to work, and she adjusted and fixed it all, and the teacher tore her apart because she didn't follow her plan. And she thought, aren't we supposed to make music? Aren't we supposed to improvise based on what we are hearing at the time? Great rehearsals are improvised. It's not willy-nilly, it's not, um, uh, Pointless, it's not unorganized uh, to, to improvise. He had a million ideas, not just one set plan, and he tried idea after idea until it worked what he was going after. Um, he expected them to adapt and to adopt, and he wore them down with energy and joy. And if it wasn't going to where he wanted it to go right away, he kept at it in a, in a different tack with energy and with a smile and with a sense of, of collaboration that was really quite remarkable. Another characteristic of the great rehearsal, time passed quickly. Great rehearsals, I think, are the ones that you say, is it really that time? That's fantastic, I had no idea. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> For those of us who leave rehearsals, um, my rehearsal is always 1.10 to 2.30 in the afternoon. Sometimes, you know, it's right after lunch, so sometimes those rehearsals can feel a little sluggish at times. But the great ones are those in which you sit down and you start working and you, you have brought people in, you've engaged them somehow, you made some great music and you focused and you've adjusted and you've finessed, and then we ended up and say, see ya in a couple of days, and you say, that was fantastic. <clears throat> they had no idea what was behind the fun. They thought they were having a good time. They loved it. But they had no idea that their intonation was improving, that their diction was improving, that their sense of communication was improving, that their posture was improving, that their breathing was improving. They thought they were just having a great time. I, I, I sometimes do some, oh, it's a little like your rhythmics uh, things with, with choirs, and, 
And uh, I one time was working with an, an all-state choir in another state, and um, I was so frustrated with them. At the beginning of the, it was a week long all-state, the summertime of that state. And I was so frustrated with them because they were, they were too shy, they were too sweet, they were too, I wanted more energy, I wanted more direction, I wanted more rhythmic vitality, and so we started doing some rhythmic things. And it wasn't long until the core of the rhythmic interpulse began to take hold and it was and they, they dug in and made it really beautiful with great communication. And at the end, people were saying what they loved about it. And almost to the person, I said, we love the dancing. I didn't realize that we were dancing. We were doing something that I thought was helping their intervals, which did help their intervals. But they saw I was dancing, they saw I was having fun. I think that's terrific. He demonstrated beautifully. He's a wonderful singer himself. Yeah, don't have to demonstrate beautifully to, in, to um, shape a choral sound. I don't think it's a bad idea to demonstrate beautifully, and I don't think it's a bad idea to demonstrate poorly. I think it's, a, it's important that we uh, show them our dream once in a while with a sound of the thing. And we certainly can, can say, I hear it, and I'd love to hear That's a demonstration. I didn't even say, I hear all that, but I'd love to hear things, whether you want to go that way or not, it's perfectly fine. Everything is fair in rehearsal. The closer the concert time, the vortex is narrow and narrow, as I mentioned, and more and more refined and completely connected to every concert. He spoke clearly and commandingly. He, the way we speak, is the way that we will hear sounds back to us. So if we're wanting very beautiful vowels, it's not a bad idea to speak with very beautiful vowels. If we'd like the articulation to be clearer in the text that is sung, it's not a bad idea for us to speak that way. If we'd like things to be a little more organized, maybe the front of the choir room should be a little more organized. I had, I, I had a mentor once say to me that he would always wear a jacket to the first rehearsal. Always wear a jacket to the first rehearsal and then take it off and roll up his sleeves before the rehearsal began. Because that said, we're getting out of business here. He never said anything about it. He would just take the jacket off and roll up his sleeves because we're going to work. And the first, the front of the room would always be immaculate. Because that says, I care. I said, that says that we, we know what we're going to do. I will always remember starting doctoral work at USC and, and walking into a rehearsal. You know, I'm green. I didn't know where I was supposed to go. And on every chair was a name card. And it had my name on it. Well, that's fantastic. I didn't have to worry about where I was going to sit, where the bases were. I also knew that somebody cared enough to write my name. And number two, that somebody actually knew my name. Well, that was fantastic. I knew that at every first rehearsal of the year, there was always, I do with post-its now, but I always put, after we've done auditions, or we know who's going to do it with a church choir, I used to do a church choir for nine years or so um, at the uh, uh, Baptist Church in Ann Arbor. Uh, we would put a post-it with, if they were Sopano 1 or Sopano 2, and with their name on it. And I then, not only did they think, oh, he cares about me, but I also planned who was sitting next to whom. I used to, uh, I, I now conduct the um, Coral Union in Ann Arbor, which is a large 180-voice oratory, of course. We sing off of the Victoria something like this. We do Messiah twice a year since 1879. I haven't been here since 1879. <laughs> but some of the sopranos have been. No, that's not true. That's not true. 
that it is so helpful, I think, to have uh, a sense of place and a sense of ownership for those people in the bar. So, other components that I would consider a great rehearsal, the plan itself, include, read all the way through the first time, come what may, don't stop. Don't prep them ahead of time, don't stop them in the middle, go all the way through. If you have a pianist who can help, fantastic. If you're the pianist and you can help, fantastic. Go all the way through. Don't bail out partway through. They have to jump on and stay the whole way, all the way through. The whole way through. Excuse me, I'm thinking, okay, we need to come back to page two, and I might have dog-eared page two, and I knew they'd mess up the top of three, okay, I probably figured it out, and halfway through page four, that's fantastic, I thought they'd mess up there. Okay, there's some more energy there, that vowel is truly horrible, we're going to come back there, and we have gone all the way through, and then I know what needs to be worked on. I remember working with some really young, when I was a mom, in the first stages of my conducting career, and I remember thinking, he's not doing anything, we're just singing through, he's not doing anything knowing, figuring out, after the fact, that he had planned every single rehearsal and every single portion of the rehearsal from that very first week through. Because in his very Germanic, organized way, he was then pacing, okay, we need to spend more time on the second moment, and we need to make sure that we've covered this, and then all of that sort of thing, just from what he heard in that time, all the way through, don't stop. The order, the priority, notes and rhythms, text, and musical expression. Maybe not notes and rhythm in text. Maybe just notes and rhythm. <coughs> Maybe text comes later if the text is difficult or the text gets in the way. Musical expression from the very outset if it becomes natural. But the hierarchy, notes and rhythms, it can't be beautiful if it ain't right. right. That's a paraphrase. But it has to be right to be beautiful. To make it artistic, to make it say something, to make it tell the story that one has to be right. So I often will start after that first read-through with an onset syllable. Maybe we need to make sure that the rhythm is lined up. Maybe we need to count sing. I don't do a lot of count singing, but there will be times when we do count sing. That's a rhythm. Text. Musical expression. I do, however, firmly believe that we learn the music with the final dream in mind. That we don't put off musical expression to the very end. But we learn it with that. I, I will also say that we don't, I, I'm hopeful, at least I try not to in my rehearsals, learn it with the full range of dynamic expression in front. Because when forte singing happens, it has to be the result of piano singing. Great, strong singing needs to be the result of incredibly in tune, beautifully shaped phrases and vowels. If we sing forte from the very outset, Number one, the conductor doesn't hear anymore. We don't hear that there are three sopranos whose vowel color is not exactly what we want. We don't hear the tenors are slightly under the pitch in that passaggio land from E to F natural. We don't hear that the basses really are singing in B flat instead of A natural. Alright? Soft singing does that. Soft meaning soft singing, we can hear those sort of very picky things. So I really, and we'll talk about this a little bit with male voice, but I approach forte singing from a piano perspective at the outset. It doesn't mean wimpy. It doesn't mean that P doesn't mean puny. It means P 
down, and it really needs projected so that we are absolutely fantastic posture and no breath underneath it every, every moment. It's important in rehearsal to vary the moods, to vary the tempo, to vary the sitting and the standing, to vary the languages, and to vary the learned and new. We talked a little bit about that. The alternation between fast and slow, the alternation from a great rehearsal is a great meal. We don't start with the, with the steak, probably, in a great meal. Maybe you start with a salad. Maybe you start with, with uh, some other thing. Maybe you start with an appetizer. And then you progress into the, into the, to the steak and mashed potatoes, if you're a good person. No, I'm joking. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a, a carnivore. Right? Or, or into the tofu, if you're not a carnivore. Uh, and to the, to the heart of the rehearsal. And then at the very end, we all need some dessert. All the time, we need a little dessert. Um, and, and that dessert doesn't have to be a lot of dessert, but it needs to be something that maybe we know better, maybe we know, uh, maybe we can become uh, knowing that. I used to, every summer when I would go to Interlock and do that part, we had to make something beautiful in that first 30 minutes. Something had to be beautiful in that first 30 minutes. Uh, the warm-up in a, in a with a new choir is always going to be longer than in, with a choir that we know, so maybe the, the warm-up the first time um, uh, is a little bit longer than that. But we have to make something beautiful. We have to taste beauty, and then we have to want it. There has to be the carrot that says, I want that all the time. I want to have that beautiful sound all the time. And 90% of our singers have no idea what beauty is. And that's why we're in front of them, because we have experienced it more than they have. You can't experience real beauty in a choral setting from the inside. The beauty happens on the outside and you're on it. Because when we're in the inside, uh, we hear it in a different way. We hear it from a very personal way. But the conductor hears it from the, the group way. Rule of golden proportions applies in rehearsals as well. The, goal, the rule of golden proportion is about two-thirds of the way through, that's the climax. About two-thirds of the way through of a mystery, uh, things are going to start winding up. That's the rule of golden proportion. If you look at almost every single Bach fugue, and if it's 100 bars long, look around bars 65 to 70. That's probably when the straddle is going to start happening. If you were playing two-part inventions like most of us did at some point in life, that's the place where you couldn't play it very well. And your fingers were getting all wrapped up, and afterwards then it sort of comes back and it's okay, you're back, you're all right. But that's the rule of golden proportion. That is true in rehearsals as well. If it's an hour-long rehearsal, know that the very best, most productive time is going to be from 30 to 45 minutes after. If it starts at 3 o'clock, from 3.30 to 3.45, the best stuff is going to happen. After that, people get a little tired. Before that, you're probably, probably not all on your train yet. Really, really important. Now, if the rehearsal is two and a half hours, that's a different pacing meeting, but the golden proportion is going to be a little different because you have probably have a little break in there. If you want to break in the middle of rehearsal, then maybe you have two golden proportions in that rehearsal. Uh, but it is truly important. Nothing we do in rehearsal is normal. We, as I've said before, we don't sit this way in real life. I don't speak this way in real life. I don't breathe this way in real life. I would hope the choir doesn't sit that way in real life. I hope the choir doesn't have to breathe that way in real life. I hope that spaciousness is not this way in real life. I hope we sing that way, but we don't sing that way for it to be as beautiful as we know that we can make it. No waste of time, leave having experienced something gorgeous, 
and more beautiful than the experience in our daily lives. It's a gift that we give to those people who come to sing. That we can experience something beautiful together. That those tunes that bore into our head that we can't get rid of are worthy. No. But they're not about McDonald's or Big Macs. But they are worthy to be stuck in. So we're going to warm up a little bit. And then we're going to sing. I'll, I'll do a few more, a few different warm-ups than we did last time. But let me just say how much I hate warm-ups. With all of my heart, I hate doing warm-ups. And, and with the Chamber Choir Michigan, I almost never do warm-ups because it's in the middle of the day. They've all been practicing. They've all had their diction classes. They know what a beautiful vowel is, but we just don't. There are issues we don't have to talk about. With the union that, that comes from being a mom to being a teacher to being a lawyer to being whatever, and we come together one night a week, and, and we get on the same page. And so that page needs to be the page that, that we all agree on, meaning the sound that I think is beautiful. And we have to do something to get us on that page. Whatever that is, it might have to be it might have to do with rhythm, yes. It might have to do with figuring out what the conductor does, yes. It might have to do with breath, yes. It might have to do with articulation, absolutely. It might have to do with vowel color, no question. It might have to do with range extension, absolutely. It might have to do with massage management, absolutely. All those things can be tasted in, in a woman. In, for most of us, we are the voice teacher of those singers and choirs with whom we work. Uh, many will be, some will be taking private lessons, that's fantastic, but for most, we are that person who walk up on the same day. And it's always a compliment when someone says, my voice felt good tonight. That's great. It's because of you that their voice felt good tonight. Because you engendered breath, you engendered spaciousness, you engendered energy, you engendered lift, you engendered all those good posture, all of those sort of things. It didn't just happen because they, their acid reflux was under control or something. It was because of the, the environment that you created. So, so we'll, we'll warm up a little bit. So stand please. And, and, uh, yeah, I'll go up here so you can see. Join me. Join me. Find me. Right. Find me. But I always say young singers don't look my eyes at my hands because what do young singers do? They look you right in the eye. That's fantastic. It's great. Look my hands, right? Join me. Join me. 
two, and three are looping in your minds. I hear one, two, and three. Two and three need love. Yes, tiny little characters. Give them love. One, two, three. One, two, three. One. They can feel love. One. One. I think most of our singers have no clue what we do. And I think most of our singers, which then engenders in us what I do doesn't matter. And I guarantee that every gesture we make makes a difference. Every single gesture we make makes a difference. Every word we say makes a difference. <clears throat> Did I tell you about the conductors that showed up with the Glee Club? I think I mentioned that. Well, I used to conduct the Michigan Glee Club when we invited the five conductors back to do the piece on the concert. And not one time did one of them say, would you sing out of tune for me? Because they just were there. And it happened. Nobody said, can you be just brash and ugly for me? It just happened. And it was just because of who they were, and the way they stood, and the way they said what they were going to be. Good, 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 good. Sing, sing, we did sing, sing, sing. Can I sit there? Oh, would you grab that sheet for me on the stand? We did this last time with your mother. Would you join me again with your mother? Sing, 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 and the NG brings it forward, sing, 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 and something that says that it should be that, you know, you just need to fix it up without saying you just need to fix it up. But your mother has just said, your room, young man, is a wreck. And sing, 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 If you listen to the radio, it doesn't happen on the radio. You know why? Because if it did, you'd be turning your radio up all the time. So it has to be switched, so it's in that band. That's why the dynamic level of every pop, every piece of music that you hear in the pop the style is within this band. It's not going to get too loud, it's not going to get too soft. It's all going to be the same, because it wouldn't work in the car. We cannot work in a car and be fantastic. Because we have from one to ten, that we can do singing, singing, your mother, she would want you to point to me. And Yes, whoops, I hear, I hear your mother liking last notes to be accented and slightly ugly. Right? Uh, my mother, although she's huge, wanted them to be elegant and soft and sweet and lovely and beautiful. And singing, yes, singing. Your mother just became cultured. That's fantastic.
cozy. It'd be fantastic. That's a little joke. You should laugh.
have you heard the defense and sound when we spoke in head voice and when we sang? Remarkably changed. The Lord is my shepherd. 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 My sense is that an exercise like that has about two seconds of shelf life. If I were to say, The Lord is my shepherd.
We call that bowl. You get to fill it. I constantly say fill it, fill it. If we had 15 glasses on the piano, we don't, if you want something soft, and every one of them is a pitch, don't fill a glass half full. Have smaller glasses and overfill. Have smaller glasses and overflow. So that every pitch is filled and beautiful. Does that make sense? So the some don't feel puny because they're piano, but the glasses are small and they are overflowing with beauty. Would you start, please, 36? Can you start 36 in that goal?